You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Well, I heard the story about a New York City lawyer who, who decided to go duck hunting in East Tennessee. So he was spending some time there, and at a particular time, he, he, literally, he literally shot a duck, and the duck, he got him, the duck died. And unfortunately, the duck fell in the adjacent property, not on the property that he was on. So it fell in a neighbor's property and somebody he didn't know. So the New York City lawyer decided, well, I'm going to just climb the fence, go retrieve my duck that I shot and bring it back. So as he got over to the neighboring property, the owner of that property was an elderly man, and he says, what are you doing, sir? You're on my property. He says, well, I shot a duck, and it fell here. I'm just coming to retrieve the duck. I'll, I'll be out of your way. He says, what? You shot the duck, and it landed here? He says, yeah. He says, well, <clears throat> this is the way we do things here. That duck is, is mine because it's on my property. The New York City lawyer says, no, it's I'm the one who shot the duck. And they went back and forth. And the New York City lawyer says, I am a famous New York City lawyer. And if you don't give me my duck, I'm going to sue you for all that you have. Well, it angered the elderly man who owned the property there. And he said, well, wait a minute. You don't know how we do things in Tennessee. You might know how to do things in New York City. But let me tell you what we do here in Tennessee. He says, I got to tell you, the way we settle issues, it's called the Tennessee three-kick rule. The Tennessee three-kick rule, so the New York City lawyer says, what's that about? Well, here's the way it happens. If there's a, a, a squabble over something that two people say that they have, well, this is the way we settle it. I get to kick you as hard as I can, as hard as I want, three times. And you get to, when I'm done, you get to kick me three times as hard as you want. And whoever gives up the quickest, or, or whoever gives up just, you know, uh, forfeits, you know, the duck. And the other person gets to keep the duck. So the New York City lawyer, he's young, he's strong, and he says, man, I can, I can take this old man. Yeah, I can take this old man. He says, okay, you're on. Let's do that. So the New York, uh, I mean, New York City, he stood there, the lawyer, and the old man happened to be wearing steel-toed boots. So before they finished the, con- uh, the conversation, he gave him a quick, quick kick in the gut. And the New York City, ooh, and as he bent over, he gave him a second kick, ooh, and he fell to the ground. And as he was on the ground, that old elderly farmer went over there and gave him a good third kick, ooh. And that, that New York City lawyer was on the ground, breathing in pain. The only thing that he had hoped for was, oh, I can get this old man back. Oh, I can't wait till I can kick him three times. So he finally mustered the strength to get up off the ground, and he looked at the old man, okay, it's my turn now. The old man turned to him. He says, you know what? Uh, <clears throat> we don't have to do that. You can have the duck. And he walked away. He says, <laughs> he says I just wanted to outsmart a New York City lawyer. Okay? <laughs> and I tell you that story because I have a feeling that something similar took place about 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. See, the devil thought that he had victory. The devil thought that he had defeated the Son of God, that he had killed the Son of God. In fact, 
he probably saw with his own eyes that Jesus, the Son of God, had nails in his hands, nails in his feet, and he was literally dying, and in fact, he was dead. They thrust a spear in his side, and I can imagine how the devil could have started parting, say, hey, all right, I have killed the Son of God. But how many know God always has the last word, amen? God always has the last word. And I can imagine Jesus saying, okay, devil, you can celebrate, you can party for two and a half days, but after the third day, from there on forward, he says, this world is mine. And on the third day, what happened? Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he rose from the grave, amen? He is risen, amen? Amen. He is risen. And you say, what is in response? He is risen indeed. So, What happened on the cross, what happened on Resurrection Day is, in my opinion, the greatest exhibition of love in the history of mankind that we have ever seen. And I want to talk just a few minutes about that as I correlate it to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. So let's take a look at these three words. First of all, faith. Let's take a look at that, faith. That's what remains. And the question I want to ask you when it comes to faith is this. How big is your God? How big is your God? The reason I ask that question is because some people, they have a little bit of faith. And the people who have a little bit of faith, it's kind of like they believe in a little God. But I don't know about you. I don't want to believe in a little God. I don't want to just have a little bit of faith. I want to believe in a big God. I want to believe in a God that for him nothing is impossible. I have faith to believe that even if the devil tries to kill him on a cross of Calvary, I have enough faith to believe that my God is big enough to raise Jesus from the grave on that third day. Amen. Is there anybody with me? Amen. That we know without a shadow of a doubt, we have faith to the point that we know that Jesus is Lord. And I have faith in that. George Mueller said this, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. So today I, wanna, I just want to talk about the faith and hope and, and love. You see, I see, I want to use as a background for today's teaching, the disciple, the beloved John, the disciple. Now, he, he had faith. He had faith to believe that this man that he would be following was indeed the Son of God. And that day when Jesus rose from the grave, he was the first one to be there. Now, first of all, I want, I want to talk about this. This week's Digging Deeper lesson is called the Five Resurrection Openings. And we talked about this in our 7 a.m. sunrise service. Some of you were there. And thank you for those of you who showed up early this morning to see the sun come up as we were worshiping and celebrating Resurrection Sunday a few hours ago. But uh, five resurrection openings. Because when the stone was rolled away, as the Bible says, it not only opened the way for Jesus to walk out of that grave, but it opened the door for so many blessings for you and I. We're going to talk about five, five resurrection openings in this week's Digging Deeper. So there's faith. Second word in 1 Corinthians 13, 13 is hope. Somebody say a hope. Now, when I say a hope, and as, as we look at the, we correlate this to the resurrection, I see in John chapter 20 that John, the beloved disciple, had a whole lot of hope. 
What does the Bible say that he did? It says that he ran to the grave when he heard that the tomb was empty. Why? Because he had hope. Could it be that Jesus rose again? Could it be that Jesus was alive? And I believe he had so much hope that he beat Peter and everybody else back to the grave. Could it be that Jesus was alive? Let's read about it. John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Who's the other disciple? He's talking about himself, right? The one who Jesus loved and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. Verse 3, so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I started thinking about that. John, the beloved, reached there. He was a faster runner. Or could it be that he had hope? Hope that could it be that this tomb is empty, that Jesus is no longer there? I believe that that he had a lot of hope. And I ask you the question today, when you go through situations in life. Where is your hope? Do you have that kind of hope to know, you know what? Jesus is alive. No matter what situation you're going through, you know what? Jesus has the answer. And maybe you get excited. I could just imagine the excitement that John uh, exhibited that day when he ran to the tomb. Hope does five things. It gives you five things. Let me give you them very quickly. Number one, hope gives you faith to believe instead of doubt. Number two, hope gives you focus to see problems as opportunities. How many know that we can, when we have hope, we can see, we don't see the problem, we see it as an opportunity, an opportunity to display God's power. Was Jesus on the cross a problem? No. It was an opportunity for God the Father to display so much power that indeed he would, he would raise Jesus from the dead. Number three, hope gives you fortitude to overcome instead of running away. Sometimes we, we, when we have a problem, we want to run away. We run away from this problem. No, hope gives you problem, uh, the ability to, the fortitude to overcome. Number four, hope gives you fervency to soar above the storms. Kind of like an eagle goes above the storms. We see whenever there's rain, we see the clouds, we get the rain. But if we could only get above the clouds and soar above the clouds, then we would be looking down on our problems. Okay, God's got everything. We would be seeing things from God's perspective. And number five, hope gives you future to grab hold of your destiny. You see, because of what Jesus has done, he died on the cross, he rose on the third day. Can I tell you something? I don't fear death. I I have no fear of death. Some of us in this room fear death. Well, if I were to get sick, if I were to die, oh, no, what's going to happen? We fear our eternity. My friend, I don't have any fear of death. You know why? Because I know whenever my time on earth comes so close, I know exactly where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. I am confident of that. Do you have that same confidence? Hopefully you do so that you would be able to say, you know what? (laughs) I have confidence to know that I don't even have to fear death. Because Jesus, on the cross of Calvary, took away the sting of death. Amen? We sang about that just a few minutes ago during our worship time. Hope. There are three categories of hope. First of all, there are those who have no hope. Number one, no hope. 
People, there's some people in our world that have no hope. For that reason, they want to give up on life. They want to give up on God. Maybe they want to end their life. Those who have no hope have no God in their life because they figure, well, because I'm saying this. If you have God in your life, if you have a relationship with God, then you have hope. So don't fall into category number one, those who have no hope. Don't fall into category number two. We call this false hope. Category number two is people who do have hope. The problem is their hope is in the wrong place. Their hope is in the wrong place. And some people do. The alcoholic, for example, they have hope in their booze and not in God. The drug addict, for example, uh, they have hope in their drug addiction and their drugs rather than their hope in God. Their hope is in the wrong place. Some people have their hope in the wrong place. Anybody who believes that the Los Angeles Lakers are going to win the NBA championship this year, that's false hope, okay? Got to pray for them. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen, okay? Just, just saying. False hope, okay? Then there are those whose hope is in a, a person here on this earth. Their hope is in their husband, their wife, their mom, their dad, their best friend, on and on. They put their hope in people. And sometimes that works out, but can I tell you, sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, it's kind of like some people for many years put their hope in Elvis. You know? That's right. And the reason I say that is because over the last, I don't know how long he's been dead and gone, 40 years or so. I don't know, something like that. But there's certain re- news reports, there's been an Elvis sighting. And whenever I read these funny reports, you know, I start laughing. Oh, they saw Elvis in Memphis, Tennessee last week. Or they saw Elvis in Las Vegas I start laughing and I think, you know, do they really think Elvis rose from the dead? I'm telling you, Elvis is in his grave. It's only Jesus who has conquered the grave. And Jesus, as much as Elvis, many people like you, like him, okay. But you know what? <laughs> he had to face his maker many years ago. Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Amen. So, but some people put their hope in, in others. A, a famous star like Elvis. Other people... They put their hope in in a false god. That's false hope. Maybe they put their faith in Muhammad or in Buddha or even in the saints of the church. They'll pray to a saint thinking their hope is in a saint and not in Jesus. No, our hope is not in a saint. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And some people put the, they have false hope. Reminds me of, I think I've told you this before, a guy who converted from the Muslim religion to Christianity. And they asked him, just out of curiosity, why did you convert from the Islamic religion to Christianity? And he said, well, it's like this. My spiritual life came to a fork in the road. And one direction and one road was the Islamic religion. And that was, uh, there I had to follow Muhammad. But in the other road is the, the Christian faith, Christianity. And there I would be following Jesus. So I thought about this for a while. Do I really want to follow Muhammad, who is a dead man, or do I want to follow Jesus, who's alive? He says, I made the decision to follow the one who is alive. Amen. And I love that perspective because you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, follow Jesus, who has conquered death, and he is risen. Amen. Last of all, the third thing about hope, the third category is true hope. We need true hope because true hope is only found in Jesus Christ. He will never, ever let you down. 
Uh, on, on Good Friday, we talked in our Passover about how uh, many of the Orthodox Jews, they, they believe in the Torah, they believe in the Word of God, amen, they worship the Lord God Almighty, but many of them do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And it saddens my heart because they are still looking for the Messiah. But you and I, we know that the Messiah is Jesus Christ, amen. We know that God the Father has sent his Son, and we have true hope because not only did God send his Son from heaven to earth to pay the price for our sins, but here's the good news, Jesus is coming again, amen? Jesus is coming again. And as I think about this, I think about John, the beloved disciple who had his hope in Christ. He had his hope in Christ because actually when you put your hope in Christ, It is preparing you for a miracle. Faith, hope, and love. We talked about faith. When you put your faith in God, what are you doing? You are positioning yourself for a miracle. You see, it happened to John because he was ready to experience the miracle of that relationship with Jesus. John put his hope in the Lord and it positioned himself for a miracle. Now, some of you are in need of a miracle today. And can I tell you, you've come to the right place. But you've got to position yourself. You've got to position yourself. Place yourself in a position to receive a miracle from the Lord. Faith, hope, and now let's get into the third thing, love. Once again, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And once again, I think about the greatest display of love In the history of mankind, and I say it's when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross of Calvary. I can imagine that John the Beloved is right there by Jesus' side. Once again, out of all the disciples, there was only one who stood by Jesus. Why? I kind of think that John the Beloved first experienced the love of God even when he was mending nets with his brother James. Jesus was walking along the seashore of Galilee, and he looked at Peter and Andrew and says, Come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. He told James and John, Come follow me. They dropped their nets, and they went to follow Jesus. That was the first time that John had experienced agape love, and he was willing to give up everything to follow this rabbi. And so today, I'm, I'm going to ask you, are you ready to reciprocate that love? The same agape, sacrificial love that God had for you, that Jesus has for you to give his life. Are you going to have that kind of same love back to him? Faith, hope, and love. Do you love God in that kind of way? You see, John was able to see and rub shoulders with Jesus. For about three years or so, yeah, he was the beloved disciple. Wherever Jesus would go, John would go, as well as the other disciples. He got to see Jesus firsthand. But how about you? We don't get to see Jesus in the flesh, but we can know him in a personal way because he is our Lord and Savior. And John was, I like to put it this way, John was a firsthand witness of all the things that Jesus did. John was a firsthand witness of the greatest story ever told. The greatest story ever told is a love story. It's a love story between God and you. Now, first of all, i got to tell you about a story about a man who was caught speeding. But the good news is that this man who was caught speeding was good friends with the judge. So what he did is he gave this speeding ticket to the judge, and he says, 
hey, can you take care of this for me? The judge says, yeah, I can take care of it for you. Not a problem. Well, a few weeks later, they run into each other again, and the guy says, hey, I want to thank you. I, I, I know you took care of that speeding, speeding ticket. Thank you for dismissing my speeding ticket. The judge says, oh, I didn't dismiss your ticket. The man said, but I thought you told me you would take care of it. And the judge says, oh, yeah, I took care of it, but I didn't dismiss it. He said, I paid it. You paid it. I didn't expect you to pay for it. I just wanted you to dismiss it. So the judge asked his buddy, he says, were you guilty of speeding? Well, yeah, I was. Then if you were guilty, then someone needed to pay the price. I paid the price for you. That's what happened when Jesus went to the cross. Did Jesus dismiss your sin? No, he didn't. He paid the price for your sins. Let me know there's a difference, right? Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. He paid the price for your sins on the cross of Calvary. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. That's a kind of agape love that he has for you and I, that he would go to the cross and give his life for you and I. He was innocent, but he went to the cross anyway. He could have fought for his rights, but no, he gave his life anyway. He could have called 10,000 angels to rescue him from the cross and take him to be at the right end of the Father, but no, Jesus said, no, 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 I'm, I love my people so much, and um, I'm going to die for them. See, my friend, this is what I call the greatest story ever told. The greatest story ever told is a love story that God would send his son and that Jesus would die on the cross for our sins. But uh, I got to tell you, the greatest story ever told, as we, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago here at the church, is, is not over yet. It began when God sent his son from heaven to earth that Christmas morning. And then about 33 years later or so, Jesus went to the cross, gave his life on the cross of Calvary. Oh, what a precious part of the greatest story ever told. Then on the third day after that, Jesus rose from the grave. Amen. But don't close the door on the greatest story ever told, right? Because it's not over yet. You know what? We know what God did? A few weeks later, he sent the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. And amen, the Holy Spirit is now here with us so that we can live for the Lord every day. And we can be empowered to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't close the door after God sent the Holy Spirit because the greatest story ever told is not done yet. It's not finished yet, okay? There is still more to come. Because you know what? Part of the greatest story ever told that is yet to come, can I tell you a secret? It's Jesus is coming back, amen? Jesus is coming back, amen. And he's gonna come for his church. And once again, it's all part. It's all part of the greatest story ever told. Why? Because he loves you. Uh, But you know what? That's not going to end the greatest story ever told either. Don't close the door after Jesus comes back because when he comes back, he's going to take us to be with him in heaven. We're going to be seated at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I I hope there's going to be enchiladas. I hope there's going to be some barbecue. I hope there's going to, yeah, I'm, I'm already thinking about that marriage supper though, because I can eat, I can eat Krispy Kreme donuts and I won't, I won't gain any weight because I'll be in my glorified body in heaven. Amen. Anybody, can somebody say amen to that? Amen. You know, <clears throat> praise God. But here on earth, we've got to go to the made to crave. Uh, anyway, just, just thinking about that. Okay. 
But the greatest story ever told is not going to end when Jesus Christ comes back for us. No, because here's the good news. We get to be in heaven with the Lord forever. Amen. Forever. And so what I'm saying is the greatest story ever told is not going to end. But my question is, are you part of the greatest story ever told? Because if you don't put your faith in the Lord, guess what happened? Your story ends. Your story ends. So the book is closed if you don't live for Jesus. But if you make a choice to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I want to live for you. Then you get to be part of the greatest story ever told. How does that relate to our story today? Well, when you put your, your, your faith in Jesus, you know, today I want to encourage you, your story changes from sorrow to joy. Your story changes from guilt to God's forgiveness. Your story changes from shame to God's grace. Your story changes from condemnation to words of life. Your story changes from doubt to hope, from worry to peace, from the orphan's heart to the father's love. Your story changes from pain to comfort, from weakness to strength, from loneliness to companionship. Your story changes from emptiness to fulfillment, from confusion to wisdom, from limited uh, to, uh, to being limited to potential in the Lord. Your story changes from defeat to victory. Your story changes from spiritual death to eternal life. This is what I call the greatest story ever told. I love that song that the worship team sang just a few minutes ago. Let me give you just a glimpse of some of the the lyrics. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain, you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. How many of you are grateful for the love of God? Are you grateful for the love of God? Amen. I'm here to tell you, no matter where you've been or what you've done, the Lord loves you. And he's going to pursue you. He's going to keep on coming after you. The Holy Spirit is going to continue to draw you because God loves you no matter what has gone on in your life.